through my art, I know that at the very bottom of it, that's what I've always sought to do. Yeah. It's not just to heal myself, but to bring healing to the world, to show them beauty, to show them love, to show them that, that they're, maybe they're hurting, maybe they're lonely, maybe they're confused, maybe they're in sin, maybe they're in pain. But there is one who loves them. Well, hi, my name is Teresa Dedman. Welcome to Create Talks. It's time to start a global conversation about how creativity with God is the game changer for living a fulfilled life. It's in us. It's who we are. Creativity is in our DNA. You will hear from me and hosts of guests I will be interviewing who are transforming culture and the church as they co-create with God. So I invite you to come and be part of this Kingdom Creative Global family. I have seen countless people find freedom and healing when they discover their unique creative purpose in life. So I want to empower you to create with God and unleash your creative destiny. So come on and let's get going. Hello and welcome to Create Talks. I am so excited that you're joining me today because we have so much that we want to cover about the core values that can change your life. We've been talking in this first season about all the different core values that can shape and mold us into who we are and help us to thrive. In fact, last week I interviewed my husband, Kevin, and he talked about the core value of really moving into the prophetic through what we've been created to be, and also how can we capture our passions and move forward to become all that God's created us to be. So check those out if you haven't. And today we're talking about passion, and we're talking about how we can move forward in that again. And if you'd like to know more about that, check out my e-course, Create 28. It's amazing. It will change your life. And you can check it out on TeresaDebbin.com. And today, I am so excited because you have the privilege of hearing from a, a person named Simon Bull, who has changed the history of art in America. It's amazing the power of what he's done. And so if you are not familiar with Simon, oh my gosh, you need to check out his website. It's BullArt.com. And in that, you'll see the different portraits that he's done, like the portrait of President Barack Obama. And this portrait is now hanging in the White House. Or all of his famous art that captured Muhammad Ali, a famous, uh, a famous fighter. So check those out and check out his work and see the power of what this man has done in transforming culture. So let's, without further ado, hear Simon's journey on how he found his purpose in life, and how he never gave up on his passion and dreams. Well, hello. We are on Crate Talks, and I am talking to Simon Bull, who is one of my heroes. He's becoming this, I don't know, this person that I've just been connecting to that is, in a sense, such a leader, a forerunner in the arts, 
within the marketplace and also is an incredible man who carries so much background on the power of Jesus and the power of what the word really means as an artist. And I've been blown away by some of the, the truths and the processes of what you've been talking about and what we've been dialoguing on. And I would love for you to share about this idea of the chrysalis hmm. from what we understand that the butterfly, of course, becomes from the caterpillar and how it relates to us as creatives. And if you could share that, that would blow people <laughs> away. <laughs> well, you know, I, my daughter is at school in San Francisco and she lives near the park where they have the butterfly house. And I love going over there and watching all the little creatures and everything, obviously the butterflies. Um, but I was watching a video of a, sort of a, a time lapse of a caterpillar becoming a chrysalis. Wow. And I thought, yeah, the caterpillar is going to be like, it's going to crawl up and hang onto a branch and it's going to gradually kind of become a caterpillar, a chrysalis, you know? But as I watched the video, the caterpillar was attaching itself to a twig. Wow. And hanging upside down. But as I watched, a really very strange thing happened because the caterpillar's skin split from top to bottom, from bottom to top. It just split open. Wow. And I'm like, what just happened? And then the skin kind of like rolled itself up to the top and then just fell off. And then when I looked again, it wasn't a caterpillar anymore. It was a chrysalis. That's crazy. And what amazed me was the idea that the chrysalis had clearly formed inside the caterpillar, but you just couldn't see it. Yeah. God had worked inside the chrysalis, inside the caterpillar, while it was still a caterpillar. Wow. And while it looked like a caterpillar to everybody else, inside it had become a chrysalis. And then as the skin fell off, its new self was revealed. And of course, the same process goes on as the chrysalis becomes a butterfly. Right. You know, it's just a chrysalis. But then the butterfly emerges from within the chrysalis. And so God really showed me the truth of the divine life is that it's not something that comes into you from outside. It's always something that comes into you, comes out of you from within. Christ grows inside of us. And we may look like our old selves on the outside, but he's growing a new version of ourselves on the inside that looks like him. And you know, nobody sees it, right? I mean, that's the beauty of it. Sometimes when we're as creatives and we're walking in our life with Jesus, sometimes we we don't see the process, like a child who's growing, and you get to mark out how much they've grown per year, the child doesn't even realize it, but it's that kind of stuff where God's doing something within, right? that we don't even have a a clue about, and then there's this huge, bam, expressive thing that happens, and the beauty of creativity starts to form as we let that out, as we begin that process. Well, a good good example of that is even in this particular story, because what unlocked the truth of the caterpillar becoming a chrysalis was the fact that it had been made into a time-lapse movie. Wow. Because the thing is that in real life, as you said, you have these little markers on the wall trying to find your kids growing up. You know, if you stay and watch grass grow, you know, nothing seems to be happening. And life is just going too slowly. Yes. But the video time-lapse speeded it up and enabled me to get a different perspective. Wow. And in a converse way, art does the same thing, but in, in reverse, it slows life down. So Simon, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got started in the creative process and 
And just exactly what spurred you on to create? That's such a great question. Well, I was, I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid. I was raised in England, but my dad was an army, army chaplain. He traveled around the world. And so we traveled around the world with him, but only in the school holidays. The rest of the time, my siblings and I, my brother and sister, were at boarding school in England. Uh, first of all, in the north of England, then in London. And being away from home, you know, I describe sometimes boarding school as a little bit like an expensive orphanage, you know. Because <laughs> totally. really the truth is, like, from the age of seven onwards, I never lived at home again for a whole year. The longest I would ever live at home would be during the school vacations. Wow. So you're kind of raised, like, by teachers and uh, and in that and sort of like, oh, by your, by your friends, you know. You yeah, kind of like, totally. You kind of have to make it all up as you go along. Yeah. But in that process, in that time when I was at boarding school, God would begin to speak to me. Because I went to Christian boarding schools. And... We would say a prayer in our Sunday night services that was in the old uh, Anglican service book, and it would be, Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercies defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. Wow. And we used to say that in the school gym, but we had to walk across the playground in the dark to the forbidding kind of Harry Potter-esque school buildings, <laughs> oh, <no>. right? <laughs> and I would recite that prayer to myself. And as I did so, I'd feel the comfort of God surrounding That's me. That's so cool. And not only that, but the idea of the prayer being prayed showed me that this prayer was written by people who felt the same way that I did. That's so cool. People who were maybe a little bit afraid or a little bit lonely, and I found comfort in that. But it wasn't until I was 16 before I gave my life to Jesus and came to experience Him truly as my Savior. Wow. But I did... In a way, there was a sense in which the, the loneliness, I guess, or the hardship of being at boarding school opened up something in my heart yeah. to search for something that was missing. Yeah, which happens to a lot of us in our lives. There's that, that pain and that need that causes us to want, to want something that, that would always be there for us, which is, of course, Jesus, which is what happened to you. I, I love your story, and I love the fact of, I, I know you've shared this with me before with, about your your you know your girlfriend at that time mm. and how you asked her a certain question just kind of out of the blue mm. and how that was the spark to that kind of you kind of prophesied over yourself about what you would be doing but share that story it's so funny well you know i i joanna and i were at the same boarding school from the, well she was there before i got there but i was we changed i changed schools when i was 11 years old and to co at a co-educational school uh, in in london and uh, at the age of 15, we, well, she was 16. She was a big girl. You know, she was in the year above me. But I was 15. We started <laughs> dating. And uh, we would go for walks in the school woods. And when the teachers found out about it, they quickly banned us from walking uh -oh. in the school woods. <laughs> I can't think why they would do that, but they did. <laughs> Very sensible. But, <clears throat> so, but we were allowed to take a walk on this kind of uh, dirt road that went around the edge of the school. And I remember us walking. We used to walk that every day. And I remember walking on that road one day and saying to her, would you mind if I became a famous artist? Come I was 15 on. years old. And she said, well, you can be an artist, but you don't need to be famous. And she's always <laughs> a very, my wife is a very practical woman. Uh, <clears throat> but I realized at the time that I couldn't really be an artist without being a famous one because I wasn't wanting to be famous. But it's like, how, how would you know, how would anybody know what you'd done unless they heard of you? That's right. And I, and I think... Going back to the story of when I was young and that prayer, 
I, I think I've always felt out of that. I, I've, to me, the presence of God has been so real because I know he healed my wounded heart. Come on. And through my art, I know that at the very bottom of it, that's what I've always sought to do. Yeah. It's not just to heal myself, but to bring healing to the world, to show them beauty, to show them love, to show them that, that they're, maybe they're hurting, maybe they're lonely, maybe they're confused, maybe they're in sin, maybe they're in pain. But there is one who loves them mm. and can find a mystical way of touching their heart. And for me, that's always been through an image, through and that, painting. And that's kind of your, that, that really is your way of loving and your way of creating with, with what God has given you to do. And I, I love the fact that, I mean, you were able to do Barack Obama's portrait. Mm -hmm. You were able to do Muhammad Ali's, that series on him, and yep. be able to paint all around the world, D.C., everywhere you go. But there's this part where you're releasing something from your heart to heal and to transform that every single creative that's listening needs to hear. Like the, your motivation behind what you do is, is not to create something that just is a great piece of art, mm. but it's to tell a story of love from the creator. Well, I started doing portraits when I was a kid. I would draw portraits of my family and specifically my grandmother. Um, mm. She kind of enjoyed modeling for me. She was a very old lady at the time. Yeah. But she was raised very, very poor. She was the mm. oldest child in a, her, her father was a coal miner in yeah. England. And she ran away from home at 14 to be a maid in homes in Bradford. Wow. She spent most of her early <laughs> life as a housemaid. And we're not talking Downton Abbey here. Right. You know, we're talking about, she would have been like the housemaid in the home of like a lower middle class family. So in the days before people had washing machines, like they had she my nana. Be, you are right. <laughs> she, she was the she, one. She was the washing machine. So she would be the first up in the morning and she'd be the first to bed, wow. last to bed at night. And, you know, she, while I was painting her, you know, she just told me her story from end to end. Wow. You know, of how she'd be working in someone's house and then would get a little slip of paper under the door from the man of the house you know what I'm saying, inviting her down to his place. And then the next morning, her and her sister who were working together would like get out before dawn and run to the next and try and find a job somewhere else and how oh it was gosh. for her. But the thing is, when you draw an old person, it's a lot easier than it is to draw a baby. Wow. Because an old person has the lines on their face. And they have, they have, they have the story to tell. They have it? a story. They have the character. It's written in. It's etched into the lines wow, on their face. Wow, that's beautiful. And so... Whereas a baby has just kind of like, it's hard to get your pencil around a baby's face, right? Yeah. But an old person, there's a lot of character. So when I eventually, years later, I had the tremendous kind of privilege and opportunity uh, to paint Muhammad Ali and to paint President Obama, you know, I was able to bring kind of something of my grandmother's story, like wow. into the portraits of that Ali and beautiful. Obama, you know? That's beautiful. And I think you're able. It's funny because I, I love to do portraits as well, and there's there's something about finding the essence of a person, like their spirit inside what you create, that is, um, I don't know, it's so, to me, it's, it's like I get to reveal a part of who they are mm. that they might not even see or a part that the world needs to see that 
in a sense, prophesy in a sense about who they are. And there's just a beauty in that. When I saw your work, I saw so much of the power about what you released when you did the, the Muhammad Ali series. And there's just so much that you depicted about their personality and their character and what they were known for that is beautiful. And art can do that. It's crazy. I, I wanted you, before we end, I wanted you to share with us a little bit about how you feel the Lord has used you as his instrument to bring about uh, cultural transformation in places that the church can't go. I mean, your creativity, Simon, not only in, in what you've captured through your brush, but through your heart and through what you carry in your love for God and your love for theology. I would love for you just to share a little bit about that because everyone needs to know about that process. So go well, for it. <clears throat> go for it. Well, <laughs> you know, I, one of the things that really happened to me when I was a kid, when I was at boarding school, is that I, I, loved, I fell in love with the natural world. I fell in love with nature. Yeah. And I would draw the, the little wild animals at the school. I would draw the landscapes, the trees. And I did it because, because I just loved watching these things, studying them. And um, <clears throat> one day one of my teachers came along and said, Simon, I'll offer you, you know, I, I want to buy that and I'll give you uh, 13 pounds for it. And this is like back in the day. And um, I said, well, oof. Uh, I'll tell you what, you can have it for 15. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's what, what happened. is, wow. I, And so he gave me 15 pounds for it. But many years later, he came back on Facebook, that same teacher. Like 40 years later, he came back on Facebook. And he shared that painting on wow. Facebook. And, <clears throat> you know, what, what has happened to me is that I, I've sought to actually make beautiful things. You know, what, yeah. like, people ask me, what do I do for my job? I'm like, well, I, I make beautiful things. Mm. But then people are drawn to them. And yeah. then people invite you into the palace. You know what yes, I'm saying? Yes, I do. I, I don't knock on the door of the palace, but, but I, I paint beautiful things. And then somebody tells somebody, you know, this guy's painting beautiful things. Yeah. And they're like, you should check it out. And then before you know what's happening, yeah. you're getting invited here. Like you're talking at the Smithsonian, you know, you're talking at the Kentucky Bluegrass Board, you're introducing Muhammad Ali at the Vancouver Film Festival. And like, I'm standing there. Like, I, when I did my talk at the um, Kentucky Bluegrass Ball, unveiling the Muhammad Ali portraits and the Obama portraits, I was like, like, how did this even happen? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there I am. Yeah. And God opened doors for me. Um, that only he can do. Yes. And so I just go through and my, my, my motto, my rod is just, I just let my light shine. Like in our gallery in Carmel. Come on. I just put a beautiful piece of art in the window. That's all we do. Yeah. And we call it like bait, baiting the hook, you know, because like, we're fishers <laughs> of men, right? We are. Oh my <laughs> gosh. So I just put a beautiful piece of art in the window and stand back and watch what happens. And we have people like from China, from oh, Singapore, from, from Europe, from yeah. all over the world come in. And then they invite me. They're like, why don't you come to Wuxi, China, to the Cherry Blossom Festival? Yeah. You know? Um, and the yeah. next thing I know, I'm on a plane going to China. I mean, it, it's, it's almost unbelievable. Like, it's almost like there's a, a point where God is so attractive. I mean, the power of what we do in that chrysalis, the power of the transformational things that have happened in your life, 
and the power of you just watching in the woods and you asking your girlfriend at the time, hey, do you want to you be married to a famous artist? <laughs> like All of it is tied to the fact that there's a chrysalis inside of you right. that, that has grown and that couldn't believe where you've, this butterfly has flown. And, and I would love for you to, do, to really impart that to, to all the creatives that are listening mm. right now, the people that think, oh, can I really do that? Or maybe I can start doing something here. And I love the fact that you started to study things that you had a passion for, that you enjoyed, your grandmother, nature, things like that. That's where it came from. And I just want you to just impart well, what I, what I want to impart today, Teresa, to the, the listeners, yeah. is that it's very, very simple. It's yeah. really not difficult at all. Yeah. All you have to do is take one step in the direction. Maybe if you're an artist, go paint a tree. Exactly. Just look at it. Enjoy it. Yes. You know, just don't try to paint the best tree. Nobody cares exactly. how well it's painted. You know, Picasso painted some really bad paintings yeah but there was something in them that people loved yeah and every one of us has a unique calling from god and a unique gift and nobody you know nobody can paint your pictures yeah nobody can make your sculptures nobody can write your music nobody right. can write your book only you and the thing is there's no such thing as bad art exactly and so i would just impart like um I would like to not really, I would just like to activate those listening to this. Yes, go for it. I would say, I'd give permission to just do it. Yes. And, and, and one of the things I tell students sometimes, I say, oh, you want to paint pictures? Go ahead and paint 100 really, really bad pictures, and then maybe <laughs> you'll paint a good one. And you know, when you try hard to paint a bad picture, You're gonna... it's so hard to do. <laughs> but if you try to paint a good one, You'll never do it. Sorry, you know, you'll never do it. So yeah. it's like doing a bad picture. Sorry, is easier. You know, it's like easy to paint a bad picture. Yeah, it's uh, almost like you take the pressure off. Yeah, and you just relax and you keep doing it. I think it's a repetitive act of finding your style, finding out who you are, as a musician or in any kind of creative field, that brings you to that point of enjoyment and joy. Thank you so much, Simon, for coming. It's been such a joy just hearing your journey and seeing what God has done in your life. And if you would love to see more about who Simon is, check out uh, him at bullart.com. And you're going to get completely rocked by his the power of what he brings through his art and through his messages. He's got so many products to check out there too. So thank you again, Simon. And I know we're going to be doing this again. <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun. really has been wonderful. And I appreciate yeah, the opportunity. Oh, it's and been an you've honor. been so wonderful, Teresa. Yeah. Been a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much. Wow, Simon's journey is amazing. We need to realize that through just creating, we will eventually grow as a creative in any field or any endeavor. In fact, as Simon was sharing about his painting of 100 ugly trees for you to find out the one great tree, this reminded me of what happened when I was painting a horse's head on stage during worship at a conference at Bethel. My vision, of course, was to stylize a white Arabian horse with a white flowing mane. Now, I know I'm such a romantic at, by heart, and I understand, like, okay, I dream big, so I was thinking that it would be a picturesque, regal Arabian 
with hair flowing in the wind. So picture that. Yet, as I was painting this in front of a thousand people and a large online audience, I felt the Lord prompt me to add in gray colors into what I was painting when I was finishing up the horse's head. And then on top of that, I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to make the mane blondish brown rather than white. Oh, and I am pretty adept at rendering as I create. And so I felt, although it was done, it was not the picture that I had in my head. Can anyone relate? My goodness. But my prophetic and partnering with God, it was so getting in the way of my painterly ways. And I felt terrified. So when I left stage that night, I was so frustrated and unhappy about what I'd done. In fact, no one even came up to me to talk to me after the service because we had people come up after the service to talk about the art and even inquire about my painting. So in my head, on my way home, I'm thinking, God, where were you? Did I get this right? Did I hear correctly? I mean, I'm trying to co-create with you. Why, why, why did this happen? But something unexpected happened while I was painting because this had never happened before in Bethel's history. Chris Valentin interrupted the service as I'm painting this horse and worship is going on. And he asked if anyone in the audience had 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 really like had a tragedy happen where their daughter or son had tragically died before the eight years of 18 in the last year. And this man stood up and Chris gave him a great prophetic word. And I thought, wow, this is kind of strange. And I just kind of didn't know how much this would connect to my story. So three days later, at the end of the conference, I am walking through our art gallery at Bethel where my painting was on display. And of course, like you know, I was not happy. And the same man that Chris had called out was in that room and he came over to me and he goes, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I found you. And I said, well, tell me what, what happened. He goes, well, when Chris called me out, you need to know that 10 years ago, my daughter had died tragically in a car accident and I had never been able to say goodbye. And this has deeply affected me. This was crazy. How was my painting connected to this? So then he began to share with me about during worship, when I'm painting this horse and feeling frustrated, before Chris called him out, he saw his angel hovering over my painting. Then he further shared with me that his daughter, who had passed away, was an equestrian, and her last horse that she owned was gray and was the exact same breed that I had painted. Then he said, and how did you know that her hair was blondish brown? When you painted the mane, I realized that this was about my daughter. And he began to sob and cry. He goes, this has completely changed my life. Now I have a sign from God that he cares about me and that I can let go of my daughter's grief and pain and give her to Jesus. This was amazing. I was following my passion to create. 
But then I was interrupted by the presence of God who shared with me things that I was supposed to do on this horse that I wasn't happy with. But that led this man to have an encounter that now brought closure closure to his daughter's death. This is amazing. See, that's the power of what happens when we follow the presence and we follow the prophetic and we see what God can do. Just like Simon, I had to follow who I was, co-create with God, and bam, God bless this man beyond what I could ever comprehend. And if God did it for me, guess what? He can do it for you. So I want us now to turn our attention to him. God is so much more greater than we could ever possibly imagine. And he created you to make beautiful things, as Simon said. So whether it's a business idea, a creative strategy, painting a horse's head, whatever it is, let's ask Jesus to come. And just let's ask him this question together. Jesus, what can I create with you that will bring joy and beauty and life to others? Now take some time and just let him show you things on an everyday basis that you can do to practice the prophetic and your passion. In fact, as an activation, take some time this week and create something beautiful that can give life and help to others and follow who you've been created to be. And remember, just like I found out, (laughs) sometimes we can doubt that God really called us to do a certain thing, like painting a horse's head gray, but it's in us, it's in our obedience that we find out how he really wants to lead us. So in closing, I hope that you've enjoyed this. But remember to never stop growing in the prophetic words and putting them into action and following wherever they lead you. Remember to pursue your passion and who you are no matter what. And don't forget to check out my e-course Create 28 when you can find out more stories about the horse's head and other things that I've done and follow your own passion. And again, in the next episode, before we go on, I'll be sharing with you how to co-create with God and give you practical examples about how this can really transform your life. And remember, you are born to create. 